Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Kurt, another week, another PBT Extra. Uh, first and foremost, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. I uh, I got to see a uh, preview of a movie preview of Air uh, coming out uh, next month. The uh, story of the signing of Michael Jordan by Nike when Nike was a, a running shoe and nobody nobody wore them for basketball. Um, I, I doubt your father wore them growing up, you know, playing his youth. Um, I think Chuck Taylor, we're, we're in Converse, Chuck Taylor's, like the Canvas ones. That, that, those, they, like, Converse, mission? Converse. Yeah. And they get into this. Converse was the big brand. Adidas was trying to work its way in. Um, and, and Nike was just trying to, trying to find its way and sign some guy named Jordan. And I think it worked out. Uh, but the movie's really well done. I mean, Ben Affleck stars directs, Matt Damon takes the rough edges off of Sony Vaccaro, who comes off pretty well in this. Um, and it's great because it's not really Jordan focused. So you know, we'll tell you, when you get the chance, it is really worth worth seeing. Viola Davis is phenomenal, but they do a good job of they're not telling the Michael Jordan story, and so it it works because of that. I think so. Hmm. What about you? What have you been up to? Well, I you know I was telling you about the whole the opera. I wasn't I wasn't um, yeah I wasn't inspired. I just wrote my own opera. Actually, this was three years in the making. I started writing an opera. It's one one of my dreams because oh, wow. even to me, opera is like because I'm Kunstwerk. It's like the greatest. You know, every art form is in their highest expression, you know, from like staging and theater, acting, singing, you know, like the orchestras in the pit, you know, like everything about it is like, I think, theater at its finest, which is why I think it's the highest art form generally. And, uh, you know, everyone wants to tackle opera. And I was just like, I'm going to give it a go. So back in uh, during COVID, that was my COVID project. I was like, you know, some people like picked up guitar. Some people learn Spanish. (laughs) I'm going to write an opera. And I, I started with the music, but then I realized that, you know, I'm so limited musically. <laughs> but I was like, I can't write an opera. So I, I then I shifted over um, to the libretto, and I just finished it three years later. So I literally just finished it yesterday. Wow, that is impressive, though. That is, yeah, yeah. that is so, a, that is a, that's, that's way better than like bacon sourdough bread or, or whatever else was going on. I feel like bacon sourdough, sourdough bread is a gift that keeps giving. Whereas an opera, you know, like you write it once and then like, you know, it may never see the light of day. You know, sometimes I kind of wish I would rather have a loaf of sourdough bread, sourdough bread, but whatever. I have an opera. <laughs> I, no, that is, that is, I, I don't want to sell that short. That is really impressive that you were willing to tackle that and then be like, got it done. That is yeah. amazing. It just uh, took a long time. Uh, I went to London. I remember I told you I went to London early this year. The reason yeah. for that trip, you know, among to go uh, shadow the Premier League, I really, you know, I love, I love Rebecca Lowe. I love that uh, that show, and I wanted to go see, you know, the whole the whole thing. I wanted to go see Chelsea. I grew up a Chelsea fan because of FIFA and Didier Drogba. So I finally got to go to Stamford Bridge. I finally got to see a, a Premier League match and shadow the team there. They're all exceptional. Uh, the the other reason I went, in addition to to seeing plays and and look at art, was to location scout for this opera. Like I, that was the reason I went to London. 
So I went to Oxford and I went to Covent Garden and Drury Lane. I was trying wow. to figure out, like, I wanted to find what neighborhood in London was going to be the, the setting of this opera. Like, that was, like, the whole purpose of the trip. And it worked out, so. Uh, that is I, that is impressive. I I, I, I expect when it debuts, I, I, I expect a, a ticket. <laughs> well, I know how much you love opera, and that's why I mean it's I, really funny. Yeah, crowd. no, it'll be good. The, the, we talk about opera and basketball more than anyone else. I feel like that's not <laughs> so. Anyways, <laughs> no other podcast is giving you opera updates. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> uh, but you know, in, in uh, a sad turn of events, uh, an yeah. NBA uh, legend has passed away. Uh, Willis Reed passed away. At, recently and i know obviously you've been covering the nba for a long time you know do you have any great willis reed stories not really i mean I, I the story obviously i think what gets overlooked a little bit in that everybody focuses on the iconic moment of him in you know coming out in game seven uh in the madison square garden 1970 finals and don't sell that short it's an iconic moment right like they had lost the previous game against the Lakers because without him there, Wilt Chamberlain owned, oh, just owned the game and probably I mean, like, would have been. were like, like, I think, I, I don't, I, I think it's 36 and no, he had 45 points and 27 rebounds or something. Like, something, yeah. Like it was very Wilt. Yeah, yeah. In the finals. And so <laughs> they, they needed him out there, but just the inspiration of it. But I think what gets overlooked is he's a seven time all-star. He was the finals MVP in 73 when they won it again. Like this wasn't a one-time thing. He was uh, the best player on a, well, I think safely we can call it the best Knicks team ever to this point. I don't, nobody else has won a ring. So I, it's, it's a sad passing. Did you have any, any stories or experiences? No, it's like, like you said, I think when I think about, um, when I think about, those old, you know, basketball history, the old teams, like to think he was the first one to do MVP, regular season MVP, finals MVP, and all-star MVP all in the same yeah. year. And this was you know, the time when they actually played in the all-star game. So it actually meant something, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, but like, but that's pretty amazing to, to think about that kind of level of dominance. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really sad day, especially for, for New York fans, because, you know, at the end of the day, um, despite, you know, the lack of hardware, because like you said, that was like, what, the only two championships, but yeah. But New York is the city for basketball. It is the mecca. Right. It will always be. And Madison Square Garden is always the, the hallowed ground for our sport. And, you know, uh, to be the best player on the best teams in the best city, you know, in the world yeah. for basketball, is uh, it's it's a monumental loss for the, for the sport. Absolutely. And I, I one of these days, I mean, the Knicks are obviously good this year. I don't want to sell them short. But when they return to championship form, it is – I, I cannot wait to see and feel New York when that happens um, yeah. and, you know, and the way that city will. Yeah, I, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. I know Dan, our producer, yeah. probably, he's probably been waiting for a very long time. But, <laughs> but, but, but it's interesting with, with Willis Reed, though. I just want to like really highlight this as far as dominance, but that, that comeback, because you mentioned it, like to to deal with the injuries he had, right? Um, you mentioned that the final comeback, iconic. You look at NBA history – that ranks in the top three, you know, one being Michael Jordan's, you know, game six in the final with that shot. Uh, yeah. The other one being Magic Johnson when he came, when he came in his rookie year and fill in for, for Kareem to win the yeah. championship at center, which is once again, mind blowing. And then they do for three, you know? So, yeah, no, it, it, and, and, and it, you could argue would be higher. Like it was, it was that kind of legendary basketball lore moment. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then to deal with, I think he only played, you know, 
I think under 15 games the next season because of knee yeah, injuries. Of injuries. And so yeah. then to come back a couple years later and have like a like the comeback moment because you know we love comeback stories in sports and to then be that dominant MVP, Finals MVP, All Star MVP, and then championship. That to me is that's, you know, that's special. That that is kind of like why you play sports and why you love sports is when people count you out to be able to come back like that um, and just have that kind of success. Is that's that is also legendary. Yeah, the physical and mental toughness that takes is speak, speaks to the man. So, so I, I want to just go ahead and say this. Uh, we're, talk, we're talking about Sacramento. I was wrong. I was wrong, <laughs> Kurt. You were right. I was waiting for them to fall apart. I was waiting for the implosion because I had seen that I'd been around for so long. I thought, you know, it's going to happen in Sacramento. This is it. Light up the beam. They're, yeah. they're going to make the playoffs. They're the number three seed in the West. You know, you, you think about where they are. I mean, five games up on the Suns? Like, yeah. this, is, this is actually pretty amazing. How has this team exceeded your expectations? Well, and they have because as much as I thought they'd make the playoffs this year, I'm like, hey, man, if they get lucky, they get the sixth seed. They probably get in as, the you know, one of the play-in teams. I, they're the two or three seed at this point. And, um, you know, they're not falling, like you said, with five up five games with – 10 or 11 to play. I'm not sure exactly what number they're at, but they're not falling behind that, right? Like they're going to be a top two or three seed. That's insane. And they've done it with and an and elite offense, just oh, this yeah. very tough to defend because it's not an elite offense where they're just like, Hey, I'm going to call this guy up. We're going to set a pick and I'm, you know, Hey, I'm LeBron James or I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo and you can't stop me. It's motion and movement and passing and and it's you know Mike Brown is probably going to win coach of the year probably deservedly I mean probably I think deservedly he's got to be in the conversation but as much as we talk about him as a defensive guru he brought a lot of that off-ball motion from Golden State with him and got them to buy in and then with the Monta Sabonis you've got a Jokic light type of player in terms of how he moves the ball and how he sees the court. And it's just, aren't they fun? They're just entertaining to watch. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how good they can be. And once again, I, I, I don't want to be that guy. It's just, it's just really yeah. hard for me to, to, to believe all in, you know, to have faith in yeah. Sacramento given the history. However, however, I want to celebrate this moment, you know, and I, you yeah. know how much I uh, love Sabonis. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. I, he's hyper efficient. I think he understands his role, and I'm just so happy to see him bloom in this moment. And you know, and I, and I think you're right. Like the way Sacramento has kind of unlocked a lot of those players um, and just allowed them to just go out there and play at a high level to to demand greatness, as Darren Fox says, like to be able to set that standard. And I think it's really interesting because Darren Fox recently said in a comment that you know Mike Brown is a military guy. It's I think that's yeah. very important because. I do think that basketball is very much you know, um, like military strategy. I, I, and, I, and we talked about this before. I think some of the greatest basketball minds come from a military background. You know, you look at Coach K or Coach Pop, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, and, and I think that kind of the, the one, being able to identify what is the common mission, two, being able to kind of, you know, give, give up your own personal um, – you know, maybe glory for the team success and accepting roles, you know, three, being able to strategize, not just within the, the game and making adjustments mid game, but then also within the season, because it's like a siege. It's a long season. 
um, I, I think the whole the whole gamut is very much military like and, and to see that kind of being played out in Sacramento, I think is uh, I think indicative of that. And Fox has been one of the biggest beneficiaries, right? Like, I mean, he is going to win the inaugural, I think they named it after Jerry West, but the inaugural Clutch Player of the Year Award. Uh, he has been unbelievable in clutch moments this year. But he's also, I mean, he has really, I think, partially benefited. I think both teams kind of won from the the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Um, oh, yeah. Tyrese For Halliburton sure. has blossomed um, in 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 – Indiana, even if they've struggled as a team. And Fox has taken these steps forward this year where it's going to be really tough. It's a discussion for another day. It's going to be really tough to leave him off all NBA. But I, I'm not going to say he's going to make it just because I did my preliminary all NBA guard list. You know, you get six of them, and I listed 11 guys who had legitimate cases. So I'm not yeah. like it's it's yeah, it's going to be brutal with guards, and I don't know if he'll make the cut. But it, I mean, I a two or three seed team in the way. It's going to be really tough to leave him off if he's not there. Um, but granted, I mean, really West is not, is not competitive, you know, it's not yeah. competitive, which is like, once again, I yeah, grew they, up where the West was the most competitive. The dominant, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, when you had those 2000s teams with like the Lakers and like the Spurs, it's like, you know, pick your poison. It's like, this is the hardest conference. Now that is very much the East. So I think that this is also why I kind of take this success. And this is back to me being, you know, uh, gloomy, cloudy day, Corey. Yes, this is impressive, but like, I I think it's not as impressive. And I don't know how good the Kings are just because the West, I think, is in free fall right now. You know, and and it's kind of like, well, the Jazz were once really great, too. You know, like, you know, for me, it's like I don't know how real this is. But, you know, this year, let's just let's just not think about, you know, the yeah. disclaimer. It's really impressive this year. I just I just don't know if the Kings are the best to offer. You know, look at the East. You just saw that matchup between the Celtics and the Kings, Kurt. Do you think they can really go deep? I think they can win a round or two just because I don't think they're a finals team. Their defense is just too bad. That's just and I like by the way what Mike Brown said recently, which is I didn't come here to make the playoffs, even though he was under enormous pressure to make the playoffs and, and end the 16 year drought. Um He's like, hey, and, and he's like, we got to be better than this. We got to talk about what it's going to take to win a title. I don't think they can do, I don't think they're doing that this year, but it depends on who they get and, and how the matchups go. They're going to put up points and, and be very difficult to beat for anybody. And so we'll see who they end up matching up with in the first round. But it's just, I, we've talked about this. I find the West going to be fascinating because the bottom half of that bracket is where you're going to have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin Durant will probably be the four seed, but um, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I'm, I'm leaving guys out. Like the the teams of the Warriors and and Curry. Those are all the bottom half of the bracket, and so it's going to be fascinating to watch that first round where you have the traditional powers against the upstarts a little more. It's going to be more like March Madness this year, where you might see Kansas fall early. FDU kind of game, you know, like yeah. Princeton might make the yeah. team. Like you don't know what's going to happen, you know, and that's kind of that. And that, and I think the West in that sense is going to be very exciting to watch you know, as a fan. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I just don't like. Can Princeton make the Final Four? Can Princeton, you know, win March yeah. Madness? I don't. No, I, I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think their defense is good enough to take them super far, but. It's such a huge step forward. It is such a great experience. That is 
First off, by the way, Corey, if you get, I don't know if you've been there yet. Like, oh yeah, no, Sacramento is one of my favorite arenas in the, yeah. In yeah, the, it yeah. might be my favorite arena in the league right now. It is phenomenal. And uh, that place is just going to be so, the energy in there is going to be just so phenomenal this year after all that pent up energy, just it's, it's all those pent up years. It's, it's going to be great for Kings fans. And I genuinely do believe it's something that they can build on going forward. Um it's going to be fun. By the way, speaking of building going forward, uh, it's time to talk a little Corey's jukebox. Uh, Celtics need to do some building, but we, yeah, that's I, a topic I, for another day. I wanted to, I, you wanted to talk about this. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to highlight Jason Tatum. We just talked about the Kings, you know, and I was excited to yeah. look at that matchup Kings Celtics, you know, Jason Tatum played really well per usual. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think this is something that, it's impressed me because Tatum every year he just gets better. And, and I'm wondering, well, what song can I have for him at this moment? You know, at any moment, he's kind of like a volcano. He can erupt. So I thought I got to bring in Eddie Van Halen with eruption. I, so I was doing some, doing some like music history. You know me, I like to just kind of get lost in the weeds every now and then. And I was in the rock and roll hole, you know, I just wanted to like really go deep into rock and roll. And I kind of was looking at, like, who are the greatest guitarists of all time, you know. And and I just totally missed Van Halen. For some reason, it kind of, like, I knew he was important. I knew he was great. But I just didn't understand, like, how great he was, you know. And then, <laughs> of course, like, to do that, all you have to do is Google Eruption live concert, you know. Like, watch, like yeah. and I watched that, like, 13-minute performance. My mind was blown. I just couldn't yeah. believe that you could do the things that he did with a, with a guitar, you know, because there are classical elements there. And then there are yeah. also these elements where he would like he had like three patents for the guitar. And like so he would take the guitar beyond its boundaries and he played guitar like you would play, like listen to Bach and his um, organ uh, cantatas. And so like if you if you listen to like Bach's organ music, that is what that's like what Eddie Van Halen was doing with one guitar, which is just crazy. So to play guitar like the organ, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and to push the boundaries for a new genre, I, I think. All, all in all, what I'm trying to say is I think Jason Tatum, he combines a lot of classical elements of basketball, but I think he's really kind of pushing boundaries here. And, and I just I'm really curious to see how far he can go. But like the whole the whole performance of being able to erupt at the biggest moment over and over and over and over again yeah. is just really cool. So that's kind of what I wanted to, to focus on there. Just you know, celebrate the performance that he had. And on on the one of the best teams in basketball, if not the best team, he's he's the guy you're going to throw the ball to. Hey, I need a bucket with 30 seconds to go. If you know you're going to put the ball in Tatum's hands, so that was good. I will say, by the way, the one other takeaway I had from that Kings game was this was the first game back for Robert Williams, third in in I think he missed eight games with his hamstring. He's so vital for them. Like their defense is so much better. They're rebounding so much. If he's not able to play 25 minutes a night, they can't win a championship. They've got to find a way to keep him healthy through the postseason. But we learned that last year too, though. Yeah, that's very true. No, but very with, true. With, with Tatum, it's like, like I said, if you watch the live eruption clip, like with Van Halen, I mean, the band, it was like the drummer would be like, and then it would just be like spotlight on Van Halen for like eight minutes. And then it'd be like, the band would come in, do, 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 and then it would be like spotlight on Van Halen for like minutes. <laughs> And that's kind of how I feel like sometimes with the Celtics, where like, like yes, like obviously they're a team. Obviously there are moments like you know 
the pieces that are very important. Brown can do you know things that are incredible too at any given night, and you know Marcus Smart, defensive player. I understand that. But like when I watch the Celtics, I watch them to watch Jason Tatum, you know, because he's that amazing. And it's like, it's just like put the spotlight on him, and I just want to see him go off. And he does that over. He's always delivers. It's like he yeah. is, you know, he yeah. is the rock star. He is a rock star. We talked, by the way, about the you know the unpredictable nature of the West playoffs. The East won't be that way. But you get to the second round of the East with probably, barring something crazy. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, and Cleveland or New York, whoever comes out of that 4-5 game, I'll, you know, I'll probably lean Cleveland, but the Knicks have a shot. That's going to be – like the second round on is going to be some insane basketball in the Eastern Conference. So let's let's move on to Kurt's corner because I'm very interested to hear what you have to think about um, teams parting ways with some of their players. And I know you have a list, so let's just kind of go through yeah. it. This is an interesting conversation. When is it time to, to, to say goodbye? Yeah, when is it time to say goodbye? And and in a transaction-driven NBA, you know, as teams head into the postseason, all of a sudden you're like, well, who's going to be available at the at, around the draft and then in July? And so uh, Dan suggested some names. I Here's the guy, teams I think are going to be – the most fascinating, the players that will be the most fascinating heading into this offseason. There's a lot of interesting free agents, but to me, it starts with the team we talked about a little earlier, Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green. Um, remember last summer, Corey, Jordan Poole yeah. got extended <laughs> and oh, Andrew Wiggins got his extension and Draymond Green did not get his extension. I, I was reminded by a, a source for, uh, during All-Star Weekend that did not necessarily sit well with him. And he's got um, – he and the Warriors have a hard decision to make. They are – they're about, I mean, they were already – they're up there with – they're spending like Steve Ballmer and Joe Sy and these – you know, the – Yeah, the luxury tax Brooklyn, is, is Brooklyn isn't spending that now, but they would be if they had been winning. Um, and, and their players hadn't forced their way out. Um, and, it's gets, and it gets worse next year. Like this – when all these extensions kick in, Draymond is not only the guy without a seat, he's got to make a decision whether he wants to take the $27.6 million he's got as a player option next year or does he want to go test the market. I, I'm not convinced Draymond's back next year. Like It's going Isn't to be really well? interesting to see. And I'm curious, I think what kind of playoff run they have may have something to say about that. Is there a market for Draymond, do you think? That's a good question because I think uh, he is a Hall of Fame player. But isn't his skill set – you've got to use him kind of in a specific way. It fits perfectly with the Warriors. But he's not – you know, we were talking about how great it, Kevin Durant is because you could just literally drop him on any team and he instantly fits in and makes them better. Draymond's not necessarily that way, right? I mean, he's – you need specific sets around him to really – I mean – you need to use him in specific ways and then have kind of certain players around him to really take advantage of his gifts. I mean, the last time we saw Draymond Green on a different team was Michigan State, like in college, right? I mean, <laughs> the question of like, what, what, what would he look like? You know, and, and you have to, yeah. you have to give Draymond his, his credit, you know, like he is a high IQ player. He plays hard. Yeah. He understands his role. You know, he can fill up the stat sheet for you and do the dirty work at a very high level. Um, and so you would assume that there definitely would be places for him, 
But you're right. Like it is hard to imagine him in, in a in a different setting and, and being as effective. Yeah. Which is which is like a really interesting kind of dilemma. It's an interesting for, conundrum. And and it is for the Warriors too because you're not quite the same without him. He is still an elite elite defender. He is still a, the quarterback of their defense. So if you take him out. Kevon Looney doesn't fill that role. Like, how do you do it? But on the flip side, you can't necessarily just take him and drop him on, I don't know, the Clippers mm. or the Lakers or wherever and say, yeah. oh, this will be fine, because it's not going to be quite as smooth. So I'm really curious to see how badly does he want out? Like, how much did not get an extension bother him? Or is he willing to run it back? And, and maybe – Corey, maybe how they do in the playoffs this year. Maybe they get on a little run and they don't, let's say they don't win it all. Let's get, they get to the conference finals and they just like, hey, let's do this for one more year. And he just kind of opts in or, or does something and comes back for a year. Or, or does he, does he just want out? Is it, he, mm-hmm. he has said the writing's on the wall. I just think the question is the timing. And so that's going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch this offseason. Uh, the other one, I think it's kind of obvious. The next one on that, my list is uh, kind of obvious. Kyrie Irving in Dallas. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you think the marriage has gone so far? It's been a little tough to tell just because we haven't seen a lot of Luca. Look, I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I will say this. I think he resigns, but it's more because of the economics of the NBA, which is, he doesn't have a lot of places to go. The teams with cap space to sign him, your Spurs, probably probably not picking him up. Like the, the Magic need a point guard, but that's not what they're going to inject into their young culture. It's like it's all these teams on the Detroit will have money, but they've already got Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, and like you're not bringing in another guard. Um, so I think he re- and the, he could sign and trade in theory to like. Uh, there's always been Laker rumors with him reuniting with Kobe. I mean with uh, LeBron. LeBron. Um, um, I've been heard that the Lakers really are more interested in trying to run it back a little. They kind of like what they've got, um, if they could keep everybody healthy. So they're thinking of retooling rather than like post-trade deadline, retooling that group. Um, but even if they wanted him, they have to sign and trade for him, which I don't want to, we're not going to go down the cap rabbit hole, but that hard caps them. And then they've got to cut some other stuff and it becomes really hard to keep Austin Reeves who they want to keep. So, um, I don't think that happens. I think I think what happens, Corey, is you'll be really excited about this. I think he resigns in Dallas, probably two or three years near the max. And then about, you know, next next trade deadline, next February, less than a year from now, we can start having conversations about where they're going to trade him to. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, what I think about this the, the Dallas thing, it's, you know, I feel like I have to weigh in here. You know, like, look, it's going to be an interesting, we knew it was going to be a, 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 like, basically a rental, you know, which is an interesting concept. Yeah. And then I think, like, I do think they're going to probably give him a shot because it's just such a short amount, like, it's such a short sample size. Yeah. You think, okay, you know, if you see them together, what would that potentially look like? But I just don't, I don't see a long-term future there right i i personally i i think i i don't think he's going to stick around for that long you know but i've been wrong before and i, and I think you know the nba yeah. you'd be surprised you know how irrational people act 
So, you know, and, and it's true, especially when you're, you know, dazzled by talent, people tend to do very stupid things. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, see what happens. I just don't think it'd be very wise. They've, they've got, even if they keep him or they do keep him, they've got, I don't think they've just got to rework the roster. They've got to get a rim protecting big in there. You've got to, you've, they don't have enough defense and then they, you know, obviously they traded Dorian Finney Smith. I think that they've got work to do. Uh, the other team I mentioned in there to watch would be the Lakers. Um, Austin Reeves wants to come back. They want to bring him back. Um, but they've also got uh, – and, and I, by the way, I don't think they let Austin Reeves go. I think they end up signing him for four years, $50 million ish which is what they can offer, um, largely because of the ghost of Alex Caruso. Like they say, just yeah. don't want like, – they don't want to let another – hey, we found – the Lakers have been really good about finding these guys and then kind of – Letting them go and watching them Julie thrive Randall, in other places. Kyle Kuzma, you know, like Oscar's. Uh, yeah. You're right. It's kind of like they've been like the development thing and it doesn't work out next to LeBron and they ship him off and then they end up like, what was that? Oh, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah so kind of- Lonzo Ball, uh, who, have, um, by the way, uh, horrible news about Lonzo Ball. Yeah. That just that he's that not only that he's probably going to miss all of next season, but the the surgery he's having on his knee, the, the cartilage transplant is that's from the tough. Still, even in the, with the advances in medical technology, that's, that's a tough one to bounce back from and be yourself. So I, the, I only wish the best for him. Like not only as a person, like you do want to see him do well, but um, I just like watching, like that's the kind of guy every team could use, right? Like, man, I just, he moves the ball and he pushes the ball in transition and he's a good teammate and he shoots threes and he defends well. Like, who doesn't need Alonzo Ball on their team? Um, so I, I hope he bounces back. But uh, that, that was a little tangent. I, the Lakers, it's just interesting because they've got they've got to decide on him. They've got a whole host of free agents. D'Angelo Russell, um, they've got to make a decision on Dennis Schroeder. Uh, they're going to have to extend Jared Vanderbilt. And they are not, as much as they are the highest or second highest, one of the highest revenue. And I don't think they're first anymore. It's one of the highest revenue teams in the league. They're still a family operation. This is not Steve Ballmer being able to go into his pockets or or some of these other owners who are like, eh, whatever. I, you know, I can pay the tax. This is a this is a situation where there is a budget and they have to stick within it. And LeBron and Anthony Davis eat up eighty four million of your cap next year um, between the two of them. It's tough to fill the roster out competitively around that uh, with the budget they have. So it's going to be. It's going to take some creativity. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep everyone and what that roster looks like this year. Because they really they've got Rui Hachimura. This guy that is up for a deal and he's looked good. You, you mentioned Truda. That's a really fascinating. I mean, I remember he he took a bet on himself. Right? I mean, like he yeah. looked like I was like, okay, well, why wouldn't you just stay where you are? And, you know, in Boston, I thought, okay, that's pretty nice. And to, to go to to uh, yeah, I mean. Sorry, not to pause. I thought he was going to stay for a while, and then I was like, okay, well, and then he went to the L.A. Lakers, and I thought, uh, do you think it's worked out for him? Do you think he's kind of pretty well? I, I think I think that I think there's a ceiling on it, but I think he's played pretty well. I think that there's, I think there's a market for him. Um, it's it's how should I put this politely? I think if you're going to bring him in, you need a strong culture and locker room leader to keep things in check. Um, gotcha. LeBron's. LeBron serves that purpose. Um, not every team has that. So, um, I will stick. Let's talk about New York for a second. How badly do you guys want to keep Josh Hart in New York? 
Whoa, whoa, you guys, let's back up. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Dan, if, if Dan were here, how much would Dan want to keep? Yeah, well, say, I I just, like, I'm associating you with New Yorkers, sorry. No, no, I am a San Antonio fan living in New York. Let's make sure, make very clear, make sure <laughs> crystal clear. Go Spurs, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but how much do they want to keep him in New York? I mean, how big is he? I mean, you've got, you're in New York, you're seeing the reaction there. They love him. Yeah, I mean, look, like this... This Knicks team, like we talked about, I, I don't know, I don't know the answer here. I think what they're doing is a good thing, and I think that what they need to do is just figure out patience and, like you said, like how can you continue to build? Hopefully, you know, with with, um, yeah, I think patience is the only word that's coming to mind, and it looks like they're doing that with the role players, with the stars, and I think you know, I was a little hesitant with the Jalen Brunson move. I, I knew it was gonna be good, but I didn't know how good it would be as far as like letting them you know, yeah. taking them to that next level. And Brunson has, you know, as he's kind of just continued to elevate his game. And like you said, like the surrounding pieces around those three uh, with Randall, um, Brunson and um, Barrett have been very impressive. So, yeah, like I, we'll see what happens. Anyway, Hart wants, look, he, his wife is pregnant with twins coming this summer. Uh, he wants he wants a home. He wants somewhere where he can be. He wants a long-term deal. He wants to be somewhere. He wants that to be in New York with the Knicks and he can do it all. He can do what every New Yorker does. Oh, I'm about to have a family. Time to move to the suburbs and he'll be out in Westchester somewhere. Um, but I, I think it's, I think there's mutual interest there. I just know, you know, he's made $33 million over the course of his career, which is nothing to sneeze at, but his next contract will probably the next four years will double that close to double that maybe more um if he's going to make that kind of money and this is his big this is the kick in the can the kick of the can the generational wealth moment right you can't leave it on the table if, if the knicks aren't going to pony up and some other team does you, it's a business man josh is josh Hart has to take care of his family and himself first so as much as you might want to stay in new york um, they're going to have to pony up to keep him. I think they will. I just it's it's something to watch. Um, and there's other teams I think will pony up too. The Bucks have Brooke Lopez and and Chris Middleton really well. But but I mean you can't if you're the Bucks right now you just pay everybody right and then figure it out later. I know it's really hard to it's like what we talked about before. You know, with the Knicks is a great example. How do you work around the edges? You know, to kind of like. Yeah. It's confusing. You don't know who to pay because, yes, Hart. Remember, but remember, just to go back briefly, you thought Fournier was going to be a great ad, right? And then it's like, do we yeah. want to pay this guy? So, so you you have to you have to be really smart. And I like how New York is thinking kind of like a small market team now, even though they're obviously a big market team. I think they're thinking like a small market team where they're like, if we let's give you a little bit of test and time, but we don't want to put ourselves in a bad position because four years for us, like you know, we're trying to do this the right way and be patient. We can't afford, yeah. you know, to to just kind of like be on a bad contract and then do a sign and trade or like have to you know get rid of this asset. So moving with Milwaukee, they've already figured that out when they are a small market. So they did it the right way. And yeah. now that like, it's really hard to, to give, let someone walk when they're pr- producing for you. And like, you figured out the, you know, the alchemy, you figured out the chemistry and like, you don't really have a big margin for error. So like, in my mind, you're right. Like just pay everybody <laughs> like, you know, yeah. keep it in tech as long as you possibly can. And like pay the luxury tax. Cause like, what are your other options? Like, you know, how many people can fit that role for you? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's real easy for us to sit here by the way and spend other people's money, but 
Pay the tax. Pay the tax. But it's but I think and every owner says this and Oh, one of the bucks are actually Mark Lassery is in the process of possibly selling his share, but I think the new owner is coming in. Every owner says this: uh, "I'll pay the tax when we're a contender. I'll pay the tax when it when it's going to when it's about putting together a championship team." Well, Milwaukee is <laughs> this is the window, right? Like you 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 this is the window when you pay for that. And again, if if you have to make moves down the line, you make moves down the line, but. Uh, you're all in right now on that kind of thing. Um, watch Miami this summer. I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be a fascinating one. Um, I don't know. Look, they booked, they signed Tyler Hero. They are going to look to make some moves. And that the biggest one might be trading Kyle Lowry. But uh, I think that they're going to be looking to move their books around. What they've got is good, but not great. And, yeah, it's been really disappointing, um, you know, because you thought yeah. Victor Oladipo, you thought Kyle yeah. Lowry, you thought some really big kind of moments, PJ Tucker, you're like, okay, this is going to be like an interesting, like it looks like they're doing the things like from the top down and the whole roster to give yeah. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo the, the, the help they need. And it's just been, since 2020, it's just been like. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah, they have. Um, they Well, I mean, last year they came, They look, they made a playoff run last year. They They got within a. Jimmy Butler three of possibly of, of moving true. on. Like it's true, not, true, true. They, but they haven't, they haven't been dominant in the regular season. I think they've got, they've got some decisions to make. I've, I just expect them to, I guess I always expect this of Pat Riley. He'll be bold, right? I think he'll be bold. I think Portland is going to be interesting because there's rumors. They, they want to be bold, but they're also, we'll see where, what ownership lets them do. They've got Jeremy Grant up. Um, they've obviously signed Damian Lillard, who doesn't want to go anywhere. Um, so I keep hearing that they want to take a big swing. They've got, hey, man, we've got Anthony Simons. We've got Shaden Sharp, and we've got a bunch of picks. If na- Name your superstar X who wants to move on. Um, you know, There's always speculation about who's going to ask to move out this summer. Portland would like, if that happens, Portland might try to get in the mix, bring somebody big in, and take a swing. Like, hey, we've got we've got how many more years of peak Damian Lillard? Let's see if we can do that. And with that, I think they have to bring Jeremy Grant back. So mm. um, that that'll be interesting. I think this summer in, in up in the Pacific Northwest, I it's look, Corey. If there's one thing we do know about the NBA, the off season is going to be insane. <laughs> I know it's becoming quickly like the NFL. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, I think yeah. I think that. Did, have you hey have you taken the time to meditate and think about what you want to do with your future like Aaron Rodgers did? No comment again. <laughs> okay, so fun segment. You know, we always like to end the in the show with a Mad Libs. You know, this is like Dan's Dan's thing, and he always yeah. brings up a question that is very thought provoking. And today, the question is um, a prequel, sequel, some sort of spinoff of a movie that you loved growing up, or you know, a, a classic film. What what would be yours if you could see uh, any one of those a reboot? See, I'm I'm cautious there because I almost I was trying to run through it. I'm trying to think of comedies because like if you like what you, like don't reboot Casablanca. Like all right, there's certain things like you know what Maybe, I mean. Like yeah. I, there's things that I think are classic. I don't necessarily want to touch or horror movies. If if somebody wants to re in a, in a zombified better CGI world, if somebody wants to redo Dawn of the Dead, like now we're talking. Like I like I'm up for some classic horror redos, but what about you? What I, is what would you want to see? Yeah, I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon too. Ooh, 
That's what I want to see. She jumps off the bridge. What happens? You know, like, you know, like I would like to know like what happens in the future. That's a, that's a really good one. That would be Michelle Yeoh just won the Oscar, you know, yeah. like bring it back, you know, let her reprise her, her role. I want to know, did she, you know, like what happened, like what happens to, I would have, yeah. Anyways, that's mine. That's actually a great one. And I think the leaps in technology that allow you to do, you know, I, I don't know if you've watched The Last of Us, but like the making of The Last of Us on HBO, like it's fascinating what they techno- technologically can do to create rundown cityscapes now and have vines growing over buildings you would recognize. Hmm. Um, allows you, I think those technology leaps allow you to do more creatively with some stuff. I wouldn't Crouching Tiger be that way. It was so revolutionary when it came out. Like it was, but, but it, it ages. I mean, cause it came out, let me just double check here. It came out in 2000, right? Yeah. And I've seen some movies from 2000, you know, and uh, you're like, okay, well, uh, but this one, the CGI and the fight scenes like actually live up. Like they, they age, it ages extremely well. So it has a, like a certain timeless sort of feel to it, um, which is once again, revolutionary and remarkable. I think that, you know, they could, like, I couldn't imagine now if you can continue to, to keep that kind of the integrity of the fight scenes and integrity of like, you know, how does this age well, but with today's technology, oh man, I could not even begin yeah. to imagine. It would be fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm now, now I'm, I'm with you. I'm in on this. Let, let's, let's, uh, who do we talk to to get this done? That's a damn question. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> Anyways, Curry, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you know, if you're interested out there to, to learn more about what Curry and his team are working on, I want you to go to NBCSports.com slash NBA. You'll find it all right there. Kurt, see you next week. I look forward to it, Corey. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.